0: Hello everyone, welcome to Green.io, the podcast for doers making our digital world greener one bite at a time. I'm your host, Gail Duez, and I invite you to meet a wide range of guests working in the tech industry to help you better understand and make sense of its sustainability issues and find inspiration to positively impact our digital world. If you like the podcast, please rate it on Apple, Spotify or your favorite platform to spread the word to more responsible technologists like you. And now, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we will go to Argentina and talk about digital agencies. Full disclosure number one, digital agencies is a domain I simply don't know and that I didn't consider until very recently on my journey in the digital sustainability landscape. To be honest, I come from a world where you have in-house teams developing your digital tech platforms not even websites anymore, and I didn't have any interaction with agencies. But wakey-wakey, Gail, this is the exception, not the rule. Most companies rarely have one developer or designer, and in the, in the US only, for instance, according to some estimates, more than 7,500 agencies operate. On the road to a carbon-free internet, and more broadly toward digital sustainability, they are the ones setting the pace outside the digital pure players who tend to catch all the spotlights. Now, full disclosure number two. We won't go to Argentina this time, but we will enjoy a superb tango dance. Because our two guests today, Vinita and Gavin, are great dancers in the game of seduction, but also pose, setback, repulsion, with their clients, to convince them about adopting sustainable approaches, managing their doubts, understanding their true needs, making compromise while remaining true to their values. And the interesting thing is that they both operate in the UK, they are both labelled B Corp, and still, they each have their own dense steps. But let's talk about our dancers in more details. Vinita is a trailblazer in digital sustainability. Based in London, she founded Walgrain Digital, a WordPress agency, with her husband, Tom, 15 years ago, with sustainability in mind from day one. Vinita also holds a degree in electronics from the Mumbai University and a Master in Communication in Space Environment from the Lancaster University. And she is very active in the impact business world. From touring B Corp businesses in the UK this year to supporting the Business Declares Tribune last summer. Gavin... As a survivor, as he liked to say, he has founded Cayenne almost 20 years ago after a successful career as a creative director. He's based in Zurich, Switzerland, and holds a BA in history of arts. He is also a vocal voice in the sustainability world. Welcome, both of you. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Garen. Wonderful to be here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure and an honor. I'd like to start with a question I asked to all my guests, which is, what did I miss in your bio? Did I forget to mention anything about you?
1: I don't think you forgot to mention about me. I never told you about it. I'm extremely passionate about composting and I absolutely love to see what can be <laughs> composted and how it's going to be biodegraded. And I've got uh, a real interest in it that, that's uh, outside my digital world. <laughs>
2: Uh, that's that's fantastic Benito. i since moving to zurich my my gardening has been curtailed somewhat because I'm now in a a fifth floor apartment um but we still have our window boxes uh and i and uh, and obviously we we compost all our food waste it just it it goes to the uh uh to the stadt zurich rather than into my garden right now um i'm a, a I guess on a personal level, Gail, I'm, uh, I'm a keen hiker, which again, wonderful to be in Switzerland, to, to do that. Um, and also, I love freshwater swimming. So equally, Zurich, wonderful place to be, because I'm only 10 minutes from the lake here.
1: Yeah, I love cold water swimming as well. That is an absolute passion of mine. Uh, so I'm really <laughs> glad to hear
2: that. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll, you'll notice, Venita, I said freshwater swimming. I'm still working up to the cold part but um but zurich, there's,
1: there's <laughs> plenty of that. yeah zurich lake is amazing for that we, we've used the special you know the booths where you can leave your stuff and then go in the zurich lake it, it's it's a pretty special place
2: it's a wonderful place we, we will have to go for a swim together next time you're here benita
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> and i feel very connected to both of you because in la réunion i've got a big compost uh, unit in my garden uh, pretty much everyone does. And uh, well, when it comes to hiking, I heard we've got uh, a few mountains. So it's great to have both your uh, hobbies (laughs) (laughs) being explained on the show. Um, And and to start the interview, I'd love both of you to describe the journey your agencies took on the sustainability road. How did it start? What did it take? How did you overcome the challenges, uh, etc., etc.? And um, maybe starting with you, Vinita?
1: Yeah, happy to. Tom, my husband and I were best friends before we got married and started the business before we got married. So it it goes a long way back. And the reason we started our own business is because we realized that the people who are doing good in this world aren't getting the right branding assistance or they're not being presented side by side of a non-sustainable option. So... When we started in 2007, before that, we we used to notice that an eco-friendly product was seen as a hippie product rather than a mainstream product. And our intention of working together and coming up with good branding, good websites and so on was to give sustainable products an equal stage and and give an opportunity to them to present alongside a non-sustainable product so that people could make a better choice. That's how it all started. That's how our concept of starting our own business came about. Once we had started thinking about what we wanna do, then we started wondering about how we could help people. And then it, it came out in the wash that we would like to do branding, websites, help people have a good digital presence. And um, Then we came across WordPress, and WordPress was a real hallelujah moment where, because we were customer first, we are customer first as a team, as our approach, it was important to us for finding a system that the customers feel extremely happy with, and then we can also specialize in, so it feels like a real marriage rather than a... Uh, something that we're good at, and we have proprietary or something like that. Um, So we became the first London's, uh, London's first, UK's first WordPress agency. And I remember knocking on many doors and saying, you should specialize in WordPress too, guys. This is an amazing thing. And uh, lo and behold, we have a lot of competitors now. (laughs) That's great. Um, also, because we were so sustainability minded, it didn't even occur to us to not work or to work with people who were not conscious about sustainability. But it's only in 2009 that we came to a conclusion that we need a formalized ethical screening policy and for the clients that we take on. So we created one. It's online. And it's um, it's what shaped us. I would say that is what shaped our business. And that is when I feel like we really got started because we now had said, this is the type of client we want to work with. This is the sort of service we want to offer. And this is what we're good at. And that sort of shaped the type of team members we hired, the type of clients that came on board. And I can go on and on about our passion for sustainability, not just mine and Tom's, but the whole team's.
2: Thanks, Venita. That was a, was a fantastic rundown of the, the history of Holgrain. With with Kyan, it, it was a slightly different story, um, a different dance step, as you'd said, uh, Gail. Um, we 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 didn't start out with with sustainability in mind. We started out with building a good business in mind, and we've always been very people focused, and always been operating and fair and transparent in our dealings, in our clients, with our suppliers. Um, so to a degree, I think you could say that we were operating kind of as what what B Corp would term as a good business, but not necessarily uh, the purpose driven, the you know the intentional business that uh, that the B Corp aims towards. And I think it's really going through B Corp certification that that has changed our minds somewhat on that, and we're now bringing more of that intentionality into it. And I think really it's just sometimes going through these processes that really focuses um, and you realize that, uh, that what, what is actually important to you as a business. Um, and you know, I think bringing the intentionality, it's always best to start from the inside so to get your own house in order to make sure that your operations are sustainable um, you know that you start with the core you start getting the team on board Um, thereafter it's the outreach to suppliers and then once you've got everything and you're uh, happy in your own skin as it were that's when you can start having those um, those discussions with your clients as well uh, and that's where we are as a company right now. I feel um, our business is, is is rather than websites, rather than, than than WordPress and content management websites. It's 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 purely on the digital product and digital transformation. So we're a Ruby on Rails team. Uh, we have been since 2005, which was when it was commercially av- uh, first commercially available, and we build custom platforms that uh, that help businesses improve. Um, and I think that's, in the first instance, that's obviously improving on their bottom line that helps them be more efficient. Um, but then I feel now that we can have those conversations around environmental efficiencies um, and uh, you know, just working smarter and, uh, and helping them look after their, uh, their digital carbon footprint as well.
0: You are both privileged witnesses in this uh, digital uh, sustainable landscape and I uh, would love to offer you to do a little game. Um, it won't be a quiz this time, that was for Tim, <laughs> in the uh, Tim Frick in the, his uh, episode, but a more a uh, keywords race and I'd like to put a word on the table with just a bit of an explanation and let you react to it. So if you're okay, um, I think I could start with the first one. You're uh, you're in, both of you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so the first one is actually two ones <laughs> and Gavin, you you already uh, spoiled the <laughs> a bit, uh, not, not spoiled, sorry, but you already, uh, what the name?
2: Um, I'm, I'm winning already. Uh, yeah, no, no, already. spoiled. Yeah.
0: Actually, no, no, that, that's spoiled. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you already spoiled a bit the audience because the first word that I wanted to put on the table is sustainable design. So two words. What can be done uh, when you're a, a digital agency? How, what is the leeway an agency has regardless of its client requirements? Hmm? So, who wants to react first to sustainable design?
2: Well, I feel that actually this is this is totally um, uh, the, the whole Greens um, raison d'être. Given that uh, that that Venita's husband Tom totally wrote the book on this, um, <laughs> yeah. what, um, sustainable web design? Quite literally, uh, it, it's a fantastic read. I know that it's been mentioned in the in the podcast many times, Gail. But um, I will I'll put my uh, might stand behind it as well um so yeah there are, there are many ways that, that, that we can that we can um, get involved on this one of the ones that um that we're pushing forward at the moment is i'm a member of the beamer sustainability council um and we are building on top of a lot of the work that has already been done um by tom and by tim frick who's also got got mentioned previously here and all of the good work from Chris Adams and the green web foundation um, lots and lots of different uh, resources out there but what we're trying to do is to distill them into um, a more actionable set of guidelines um, specifically function or um, focused on on what commercial teams um, and agencies can do um, because I think sometimes a lot of people feel like there's they don't know where to start um, with reducing their, their online carbon. Um, so, so that's uh, that's one of the, the, the main things that we're pushing forward right now. And we hope to have those the first cut of those released uh, for the end of the year. So um, watch this space on that one.
0: Okay. And could you share already some insights on some actionable tips that are not covered by the seal of secret?
2: Reducing waste, you know, um, making sure that we have, yeah, you know, we have low low carbon design patterns in place. Um, it focuses on obviously all of the the good things that have already come out of um, out of the you know, focus on optimization and accessibility and all of all of the um, you know all, all of the
0: you know, re- reduced data transfer online. And Vinita, I guess you'd like to add many things because as have said This is the area of expertise of a world digital.
1: Yeah, I love talking about it, and I can go on about it. So you will have to stop me. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll, I'll try to keep it really short. Um, it's <laughs> it's a real um, it's a real combination of how you look at sustainability in design. You think about what performance, the in our case, what performance the design is going to have, what the performance benefit, the code is going to have, and that all plays a huge part in what we do. So the design and content, how the copy is written, how the user experience is created so that you are giving utmost respect to your user. You're respecting their time, you're respecting their bandwidth, for their mobile data, you're respecting the location they are by producing information that's relevant to them. But you're also then thinking of the benefits that are going to the SEO um, because your search engine optimization plays on how fast your site loads. What benefits are brought in from low-carbon design, which is sustainable design, they sort of span the whole, what I call it, like the ecosystem that clients want to hear. So they improve accessibility inclusivity it reduces your hosting costs it makes your work easier to maintain when you it is sustainable it of course like i said it improves your user experience and improves your conversion optimization and most importantly by stealth introduces low carbon and uh, energy conservation sustainable design is quite a wide topic and you're doing an entire podcast series on this so it's not it's not one thing it's like a uh, it's like a kaleidoscope you know one of those kaleidoscopes which you can just keep seeing new colors Uh, that's how I feel about sustainable design every time you look at it you see a new angle and that's the beauty that we can engage all of these agencies and uh, freelancers who start who have started to do things uh, in a beautiful way and sort of uh, taking it forward than what we've done and i'm very excited about that
0: respect your user that, that one is excellent in to, to to describe what is sustainable design and actually that that led me to um my the second word and it's very related to what both of you said previously which is clients yeah and how to partner with them to deliver greener digital products and services what I, you know, what are, what are the main challenges and how to overcome them? And, I, and I'd really like to stress that I believe this is one of the core questions. You are the one on the front line of convincing people to put something on their agenda that might have not been there before. So I'm, I'm really curious, and I know that a lot of the people listening to this episode, they want to hear what can be done, what cannot be done, what are the successes and the challenges it's this unique relationship that uh, digital agencies they have with their clients that will shape uh, the path uh, toward a sustainable uh, web.
2: As, as far as clients go, I think we're, we, it does feel like we're, we're reaching a bit of a tipping point on this. Already, we, we, we do see clients coming to us with, um, uh, with this on their agenda. It may not be top of their agenda, in fact, it hasn't been top of the agenda so far, but we are certainly getting getting people coming to us and, and referencing um, that they have certain targets that they want to meet, um, certain internal ESG targets, um, and they, they recognize the part that digital plays in that. So it is coming down the line and whether that's because they know that they need to meet some of the, the coming um, carbon disclosure regulations. Um, or whether it just uh, me- um, meshes with their overall ESG um, guidelines as well, which, whatever the reason, it's just really heartening to see that starting to come. When it doesn't come from the client, if the conversation needs to be initiated uh, from the agency side, then obviously that's that's a, that's a harder sell. Um, and for some people, it's just not on their radar. I think it was, I'm sort of minded of the, the bad old days when we when we had to talk to clients about uh, website accessibility, and you, you got the responses, "Oh, we don't need to do that because we don't have disabled users." And whereas now, I think you know that that battle has largely been won, um, and it's largely been won by agencies taking agencies and um, web creators, web developers, web designers to take it onto onto themselves to uh, to develop at least a uh, you know, a good baseline of accessibility for, for them, for their websites and for their web applications. And that's just the way we do it. That's sort of seen as normal now. And I think we need to get to the same place um, with environmental sustainability. So I think to a degree, yes, we can have those discussions with the client and explain why we've taken certain discussions and, uh, and how they can help support that. But to, uh, you know, it it also just has to become, uh, like Vinita says, second nature and and somewhat baked into the overall approach.
0: Vinita, you want to?
1: I'd love to, but I've forgotten the question.
0: (laughs) Client and how to partner with them.
1: Yes. Yes clients. That's my favorite thing in a way, uh, why I'm in this business. It's amazing to have an amazing team, but there needs to be somebody you serve. And that's where the satisfaction comes from. We all find satisfaction from giving rather than receiving. I think that's something that's human nature. It's a bit like, I know I sound like I'm digressing, but when the person who gives the present on a Christmas day, for example, is the one who actually gets more pleasure out of out of it than the person who receives it, and that's something that is' forgotten. And that's what we do for clients, where we're producing something that we know is of really high quality and giving it to clients. And then you see the pleasure on their face. and that sort of lights us up. that That's how we I see clients in in our business so the challenge that you talked about very briefly we talked about what are the challenges sometimes the challenge is to make sure that the high quality craft that we have is accessible within their budget and their timeline and how do you show them the value Sort of giving them a new macro lens and showing them, hey, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it and come along with this journey and we'll show you how you're going to benefit from it is sometimes a challenge. And although it's a fun experience at the end when the product is complete, to to get them on the journey, sometimes a challenge To, to get the right stakeholders in the room is sometimes a challenge. Uh, like uh, Gavin said, if the brief already states that they are interested in sustainability, that battle is not a battle anymore because they are already advocates of sustainability. But if, if they haven't mentioned sustainability and have just mentioned ROI, then you uh, return on investment, then then you really need to start thinking about how to explain what the return on investment is by involving sustainability. and. Actually, just play on the benefits of improved accessibility and reduced costs of maintenance and hosting and better performance, and then that all plays into nicely with sustainability. So those challenges are real, and you just have to sort of dance around them as they come into your inbox. <laughs> and and I think I think the beauty of uh, having Digital sustainability and sustainability advocates on the team is that they find answers on how it's going to benefit the client. I think it's quite important to play on the benefits than just talking about sustainability. Sustainability should be a bit like accessibility, a standard, so they don't have to question it. So the product always is serving the client to the best, and they are excited about it. But then sustainability sort of is this thing that they don't have to ask you about. It just happens in the background. And when it happens, and then they go and check their results on, say, a website carbon calculator, they realize, oh, my website's low carbon. How brilliant. So it's like, um, instead of making it a challenge, we, we try to sort of um and enroll the client into our thinking and see see how it pans out.
2: And and that's a that's a really good point in terms of um not making sustainability a a, a poor cousin. We shouldn't we yes. should never see that like just because we are making your website sustainable, that doesn't mean that we're wearing a hair shirt, we're only going to you know that that we're going to have any less of an experience. Yes. I think that's where the, the challenge lies because I think Certainly, some of the people working at the fringes of uh, you know of of trying to produce the most environmentally friendly websites, perhaps may take things uh, a step too far for for certain clients' tastes. But I think the challenge is for us is to is to is to give deliver. These amazing world-class experiences and and fantastic usability and stunning design, while still delivering it on a you know, on reduced bandwidth um, process. And That's the those are some of the skills that have somewhat been lost in our um, heavy
0: broadband age. But to to wrap up what you've both said is that actually you don't put sustainability on the table as a goal in itself. It's rather than an enabler like accessibility, and you really put the benefits for the client first. And then in the way you design things, you incorporate sustainability from the very beginning. I believe, Vinita, correct me if I'm wrong, this is what is uh, coined at uh, Walgreens Digital as efficiency by design. Am I right?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we talk about efficiency in user experience, efficiency in the design process, efficiency in the coding process, and, and try to give that the center stage rather than talking about sustainability. Just just exactly like Kevin and you said, efficiency by design touches on the points of efficiency, because who doesn't like efficiency? Who doesn't like things done quickly, efficiently? It's like a it's like a magic word that clients want to hear because it just satisfies all of their needs, uh, whether that be monetary or uh, time. And those are the two biggest currencies we have, right?
2: And, and also, we need to we need to focus on not just on our outputs, but on our our, our processes and making those the most efficient. Um, I, I think I you know, I, read, I read a, a wonderful um, article from um, a fellow B Corp, Brilliant Noise. Anna Parrish was, was, was talking about efficiency in content and the rethinking single-use content, where she was talking about the the need to treat content assets in the same way that we treat our um, our digital assets in our um in our in our design systems. So one of the things that in the Web Environmental Sustainability Guidelines is to, is about not so as just not not necessarily purely focusing on reducing page weight and reducing the size of the assets, but also working smarter with those assets, making sure that we follow processes so that we're not recoding and, um, and, and providing you know, uh, product bloats, particularly in, on, the, on the application development. Um, but what, uh, what Anna was talking about is, is treating basically having a, an atomic design system for content. Whereby you know, once you get to a large scale content in advertising, there are massive um, savings to be made from a working efficiency point of view. The, therefore, from a from a cost perspective for the client, and also by extension, there's a there's a carbon saving by not
0: not producing more content and not producing more design than is actually needed. So all in all, what you're saying is that you've got quite a lot of leeway in doing things the way you want without having to ask your client yes or no or any kind of a a green light in designing things efficiently. That the client should not be an excuse to go pretty... Far on the sustainability journey. Don't get me wrong. If he, if if he or she wants uh, five videos full <laughs> like, on the very same page, etc., you, you will be stuck at some point. It's still there is still some stuff that you can do, like explaining that you, you will uh, download an image only first uh, instead of a YouTube player and it's crazy away page, for instance. But uh, anyway, sorry, it's me rambling. But um. But I think that the main message is like you can do things, and you've got a good enough leeway to start doing things without really having to convince your client of anything. And then, obviously, the next step is, yeah, for some of the challenges that you that that requires uh, your 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 clients to be uh, to be aligned with uh, making efforts to 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 become sustainable. I'd yeah. agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Okay. That, that, that's very interesting. That, that's very empowering, I would say, because a lot of designers, a lot of uh, developers are like, okay, I, I'd, I would love to do things, but I, I cannot really do it. I can't afford to. That's very interesting. Thanks a lot for the, the clarification. And I suggest we move on to the next word. And this one, I guess, is a bit more for uh, Gavin than for Vinita because Vinita already spontaneously spoke a lot about, about them, but it's Teams how to onboard the teams into a, dis- a digital sustainability journey. And does it impact the turnover? Um, does it change the recruitment process? H- how, how did it go, uh, Gavin? Because you didn't start with sustainability in mind from day one, I would say.
2: No, that's, that's correct. And to be honest, it, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a process that we're very much undergoing at present. There are leading voices within the team. Who are very engaged on 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 in the world of uh, digital sustainability, and there are, there are there are certain areas where where we need to um, we need to share that knowledge uh, more widely. But I think it's it's one of the areas that that impacts every every part of the process, from the strategy to the UX to the creative design. It's not just something that needs to be implemented by the front end teams and. Uh, and then and the data teams making sure that we've got, you know, everything as compressed as possible. It has to come right the way through the process, following round to to the to the QA teams as well. Yeah. So there's um it, it really does touch every area. But I think it's it's just a case of Learning by doing and and sharing um, sharing information and sharing techniques um, as we go. Are we are we have a we have a fairly well documented process for our strategy UX creative teams, um, and also yeah within the builds thing. So it's a it's a case of bringing those sustainable checks and balances to throughout the entire process. What it can't be is just oh, have we, have we run this through the sustainability checklist? I think you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something that just needs to be embedded in the, the thought DNA and DNA of the project from the start. Um, so, so that's where what we're doing at the moment is looking at all of the current documentation and, uh, and seeing where we put these checks and balances in place to make sure that we don't come to the end of the, of, the, of the project and then go, oh, now we need to start thinking about this because that retro, that type of retrofitting just isn't going
0: to work. And my my next word would be B Corp. About the B Corp movement, uh, you know, I recently interviewed another pioneer, uh, Tim Frick. I think we already mentioned him. Uh, and he shared his enthusiasm for this label, his confidence also that the momentum will uh, only increase. Do you share the same confidence, both of you?
2: I think we're both very vocal proponents of the B Corp framework and the, the B Corp ethos of using business as a as a force for good. It's a very simple proposition, really. If, we've, if we if you look at it like that, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's been really transformational, and not only from myself, from my personal point um, journey, but. Uh, yeah, for the company going through B Corp, it really has helped us focus my um, on on, on to, onto how how to be incrementally better, and I think that's what a lot of people perhaps. When I think with some of the criticism that B Corp's been getting lately, um, you know, people some people have have, have highlighted a couple of. Of companies who have achieved certification, who they may think may may not have um, warranted that. I think what's what's being missed when people um, take that stance is that B Corp isn't a beatification for companies. It's not saying, you know, you've you you've you've done you've done everything you can. And you've now got this this wonderful badge, and uh, and and your work here is done. It's saying that you've achieved a certain level and are committing to improve on that year on year, day by day. B Corp isn't in all of itself um, a thing. It isn't, uh, it isn't, it isn't a, a thing to achieve. It's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a framework, it's a system for running your business and helping to improve it uh, as you go forward into the future.
1: I quite agree. It's a framework. It's a framework to help each other see where you're falling short and uh, learn from each other. the The word that keeps coming to my mind when we talk about B Corp is not the framework and the and the and the B B Impact Assessment, but the community. And the beauty of this community is that they all have been through this rigorous framework, and they know how hard it is. So they want to help each other improve not just their scores but their businesses. And when you speak to another business owner, you have empathy of the journey they've been through, the struggles they've been through, and how hard it is to continually improve when you're still trying to make finances work. You know, you're trying to pay salaries uh, and win clients and win trust while doing this other thing, which is improving your so social um, workers, govern workers, governance—all of these categories—and you you want to speak with somebody who's done it better than you. And the nice thing about the B Corp community is that you can speak to someone, and they are willing to share. And that's the beauty of being in the B Corp community. So even if it's not, it might not be perfect. Like Gavin said, there are some companies that might get through because of whatever reasons. The truth is that it is a place where you can feel safe and learn from each other and improve uh, not just your business but your understanding of how other businesses run
2: yeah that's that's, that's absolutely true the the community around around b corp is wonderful um, we're just establishing uh, a Be local group in surrey which is which is uh, lacking at the moment so uh, and it's 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 just amazing to uh, the, the, the connection it gives you um, to all sorts of different types of businesses and the willingness to, to be open and to share uh, is, 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 is very tangible in, in that community. You're absolutely right there, Venita.
0: My next word is kind of connected to what you just said, and this is peers. How to make an impact in the agency world uh, did sustainability become a topic in the uh, agency nomics? <laughs> to reuse the name of uh, this podcast, gave in that uh, you were recently invited to.
2: Yes, no, absolutely. There's, um, it's. I'm just going to talk about B Corp again there, but um, the 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 whole um, notion of sustainability is is getting massive um, recognition right now in the in. The, in the in the agency space i just spoke at uh the agency hackers agency good agencies conference which is uh which is purely purely around this topic um and covered a lot of the things that we've been talking about today uh i as, as i've said i'm worried a, a member of the the beamer sustainability council beamer is the British Interactive Media Association is the the largest trade group for um for agencies and I know Grain are, are members as well you know they, they have the sustainability council under the auspices of Beamer, I also ran um a seven month free program of um B Corp boot camps for other agencies looking to become certified so yeah it's a it's a it's a really hot topic right now and um the number, you know, it seems that every other agency that you speak to is uh, is considering the B Corp certification or is already on the journey. Uh,
0: Vinita, i just like to bring back this article I mentioned, the one uh, Tom and, and you wrote uh, in uh, Branch Magazine, because that's interesting what uh, Gavin just said, because Tom and, and you, you wrote about the challenge of being honest and uh, transparent, open, and honest. I remember the the words, because you say that there is a lot of bravado and marketing hype in the agency world, and everyone you know claims to be perfect. And you cannot really admit flaws. I think you, you use the word a uh, risky marketing strategy, and the problem with the sustainability journey is that you make mistakes every day, almost every day, and it's a really a learning by doing uh, journey. So isn't it hard for a marketing agency to embark on a journey where it might have to admit uh, flaws and mistakes in front of others despite all of these uh, peer pressures to be always you know the, the shiniest one etc cetera, etc cetera. how do you deal with uh, such a challenge
1: i think people appreciate honesty and authenticity They appreciate you telling them about your failures more than you realize. When you tell somebody, ah, this is where I stumbled, you're pointing that stone that you stumbled on so that others don't. And that's the open source community. That's the point of community. That's how we all as humans survived. And therefore, I, I don't see it as a challenge of telling somebody where we failed. And when I tell somebody where we have stumbled, they have been more empathetic than not. It doesn't make us look the shiniest, but if you've met Tom or me in person, we're not the shiniest looking people anyway. And we're pretty (laughs) honest. (laughs) You'll not see me wearing makeup and looking the prettiest, but I know what I'm doing. And that's what clients see. That's what peers see. And they have mutual respect, because you know that they are good at their craft. And that that's where I feel the authenticity is what matters. So telling people your true story, even when you fell down and got up, it actually makes people feel like, yeah, you're human, just like me. And we all have been through all these difficult spirals, where you feel like, when is this gonna be better again? But then we come out the other side, don't we? So it's it's like a, t- sharing challenges on what you're facing uh, is something that Holgrain has done for many, many years through blogs, through um, uh, public articles. And I think that has won the hearts of other people as well because they can relate to it rather than going, oh, they won a shiny award, which we don't win many awards anyway. But, <laughs> you know, it's It's intentional. Because that's not a part of our strategy. Authenticity is a part of our strategy. So we we stay so we stay true to who we are. Hmm.
0: Indeed, you shared quite a lot.
2: Can I just say, Vanessa? I think um, as far as you and uh, and Tom go, it's it's your authenticity that makes you shine.
0: Oh, so
1: thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it,
2: I th- and I think I t- I, t- I totally agree. I think maybe what what um, what uh, Gail's referring to is is kind of somewhat of that. The old thinking of um, of agency world, where you know every, it was very much a competitive, the, the big mega agencies sort of duking it out at the top. I think we have, we we it feels like we're we're moving beyond that now, and there is um, in the in the sustainability community definitely, but I also think in you know in the in in the in agency land um, in the community. Amongst agencies, I think there is a there is a real um, network of support like I've not really experienced elsewhere um, in in, in commercial life. And uh, and I think you're right. The, um, you know, the 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 celebration of our humanity and the fact that it is it is it is a struggle. It's a it's a it's a hard business to be in. And um, if you take your eye off the ball. The the adage goes is you know you're only three phone calls away from from the agency going under. It's very is some, sometimes operating on quite slim margins and knife edge of profitability. So you you know um, the fact that we are able to be open and to share these things with each other and to support each other is uh, is actually a, a now a trademark of agencies, whereas maybe it wasn't in the, in the bad old
0: days. Quite a lot of evolution in the way you do business, which is a nice transition with my almost last word, which is regenerative business, selecting clients or selecting missions uh, to be sure that uh, they do have a positive impact on the world. I know that is something that uh, Grain Digital has um, been focusing from the very beginning uh, with, with the process that you actually open sourced. But... Um, could you, both of you, elaborate a bit of how it resonates? This uh, There's two words, sorry, uh, the regenerative business.
1: There's resilience in a business that's regenerative. And a business that actually can feed not just itself, but its community around is a regenerative business. So you're spreading the knowledge and sort of not becoming just a thought leader but also feeding the the thing that you're trying to promote through everybody else so that's how i feel about digital sustainability so with with the way we've run our business it has helped become regenerative because people have also put their effort into talking about the things we are talking about so i feel like the regenerative is is a very involved term in so many different angles that you can talk about how you will regenerate but i'm, I'm going to give gavin gavin the opportunity because i think he'll be better at answering this question
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know about that Vanessa, but I'll, I'll give it a go i think uh, for, for me the the regenerative label is is, is helpful it's positive because I think if you, you know, if we, if we just take it from a pure linguistic point of view sustainability is that doesn't really feel like a goal in the same way that net zero doesn't really feel like a goal you're, you're moving toward to the to the status quo you're moving towards where things should be but that's just equilibrium I think to um, to then tip over to the next, positive round of business the next way of thinking about things um, is to say yeah sustainability is one thing but we do need to be regenerative that that doesn't mean necessarily you know it's it's not like a whole transformation piece and you're moving from a sustainable business to a regenerative business it's more to just to do with the mindset of thinking about business in the round um, and the fact that if the world is a better place because your company exists, then you are a regenerative business, in whatever way that is, with what you're able to give back to the community, to share on a on a wider wider um, wider basis, to you know to to improve the the health and well being of your employees over and above just providing good um, employment. Yeah, that makes you a regenerative business. Um, You know, it's a term that's being bandied around a lot in regenerative farming, regenerative industry. Um, But uh, I I think it's a a helpful and aspirational label, but it doesn't mean we should stop thinking about sustainable business.
1: Yeah, I think that's the bit about uh, regenerative is you're giving back more than you are taking away from wherever you are, whether that be farming or or in business world, you're sort of contributing constantly. Um, of course, not at the expense of your health, but you're contributing to the greater cause. And that sort of feeds back into your business as even as goodwill.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. I'd like to finish with a sometimes a bit more controversial word but I believe that it's a discussion you have quite often with your clients. Uh, and this is offset. What about carbon offsetting? Yeah, I don't know if, you, if you've if you seen this episode, but John Oliver uh, in one of his uh, last week tonight show had this very provocative sentence like you cannot offset our way out of uh, climate change. And to be honest, the laws of uh, climate physics are on his side but still planting trees when wisely done <laughs> also contributes to capture carbon and support biodiversity. So what's your stance on this? Do you, do you use this within your business? Do you discuss it with your clients?
1: Yeah, we do offset, but a, a bit like John Oliver, I do believe in the concept that you can't expect, if you just translate it to normal life, you can't tell some somebody, hey, here's some money. You don't cheat on your wife so that I can. That's what offsetting is in a way. And it's a very controversial term because you're trying to, when you're offsetting, you're trying to sort of say, I did something bad, but here's some candy so that you forget about it. But at the same time, it's the, w- the focus should be on reduction of carbon emissions. And if there is a reason to offset, because you couldn't reduce it any further, which is in our case as well, then offset does become really important. And then that's where the word regenerative comes. For example, mangroves planting, you're sort of doing a lot more than just planting trees. You're planting, um, when you're planting forests in uh, countries where you're also producing employment to women who couldn't get employment in a traditional environment, then you're actually making a greater difference, not just environmentally, but socially and giving somebody a better life. So I'm an advocate for offset when you've ran out of options. Not when, not as a default. Saying, "Hey, we'll go and plant x number of trees so that we can go and fly abroad uh, for holiday." Um, and it's, it's. Um, it, I, I probably have very strong opinions about this, and that's that is very radical. But at the same time, offset really has a place, and we we try to offset using Eden Reforest uh, t- uh, reforestation scheme, or schemes that are actually. Really true to what they are trying to do. Hopefully, that that's something that um, you can edit out if it's too radical.
0: <laughs> no, I won't. I, I want it. It's perfectly balanced, and uh, I really love the. I might even put it uh, in one of the quote like I'm an advocate of upsets when you run out of any other solution. Of options. Vini- yeah. Options. Sorry. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I think the, um, the, the the fact of the matter is is that off, offsets are, are necessary I mean, there is there is no there is no net zero um, plan in the world that doesn't feature some level of offsets it just depends what type of offsets you're thinking about. Um, and uh, and I, I, I heard a similar anecdote, uh, Vinita, about uh, cheating on your cheating on your wife, or paying you know, paying someone not to smoke so that you can continue on to continue smoking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, the the damage is being done. Let's face it. You know you maybe you're doing good elsewhere, but the damage is still being done. So we have to focus on reduction first. And then offset where where we cannot reduce any further, and that's really what the net zero goal is all about. Reduce the you know the with the SBTi goal, it's it's reducing your emissions in real terms by ninety percent, and then offsetting for the last ten percent.
0: I love these numbers. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean you know and and you've got and you've got seven years to do it. So let's get cracking. Um, uh, it, it it does depend on on uh, on how you look to do your offsets as well. I tree planting is fantastic. Uh, we we plant trees through through our partner with Ecology and have done for a number of years now. Um, but we also do invest in direct air capture with Climeworks, the Zurich startup. Uh, and there are there are other um, areas of, of of more sort of. Uh, more permanent carbon removal through biochar products um, and through some other investment in, in real carbon positive technologies that we're exploring right now. So um, I, I, I did hear um, offsets saying that this really isn't something that's, that contributes to minimizing your, your carbon footprint. It's more of a CSR activity um but that's not to say that you shouldn't do it it's still very important so we as a as a as a service-based industry we we you know um we are able to offset all of our carbon straight you know we offset two to three times more carbon than we produce anyway but then that doesn't stop us from from having a, a strong carbon reduction and carbon removal plan as well
0: yeah fair point i agree with that- that's easier. That's easier to do in some sectors than others. So, but uh, that 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 definitely shouldn't be a blank check.
2: Yeah, but then, but then, as as because we it's it's like anything. Because we are able to do, uh, we are able to do more and have more benefit on, on the, than the harm that we that we make. Then then we should we, we should uh, we should take that opportunity to do all the good we can. Well, I
0: think this conversation could go on for. Uh, uh, a few extra hours uh <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> um you've got business to run so uh, i'd like to ask you a final question which is a very standard one we talked about tom's book team's book uh, the job uh, done at the green web foundation by chris adams uh, we should have also mentioned hannah Smith's works uh, and especially in the wordpress community with a lot of other people as well who has Helps uh, bringing the digital sustainability topic on the very top, yeah, top of the list. But do you have other resources? Do you have yeah, books, podcasts, articles that you would warmly recommend to anyone wanting to either get to know or even get a bit deeper in the digital sustainability uh, knowledge space?
2: There's a there's a couple that I would I would suggest. I know obviously we've already talked about. Like you said, Tom's book. Um, Tom also has a, a, a wonderful um, substack newsletter called Oxymoron, which is more has more sort of personal musings. And I, I, I find that very positive, comes out week, on a weekly basis. I always look forward to that. On a more sort of practical and uh, resource level, I, again, have we talked about the ISIT um, handbook for Sustainable uh, Digital Services, as that they mentioned previously. Yeah, so that's that's something that I I I do refer to uh, quite a lot. And the um, uh, the work that was published by the Web Almanac recently, um, the HTTP Archive, they they added a new chapter on web sustainability this year, uh, and I thought that was actually a really good run through of all of the aspects um that, that you might think about when um when covering the um, uh, sustainability online so those were those are good ones I I also like them fresh Irani, His 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 talking um his, yeah, absolutely his music fantastic yeah really good stuff uh, did you read his latest one the the beyond data transfer blog that
0: yeah, that's a mass base. That's one of the best articles I read on this topic with the work of uh, Gauthier Roussil that I should have mentioned, and I'm very sorry to him that he's maybe one of the top research leaders worldwide, but I know that... Uh, um Tom and Vinita, they, they know him pretty well as well. Uh, yeah, it, it was a masterpiece, what Shad has done. And actually, he was my very first guest on the show. So Oh, was he? he
2: was I must special. listen back to yeah. that. I must listen back yeah, to
0: yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My very first guest. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, full
1: circle. Yeah, you have really mentioned all of my heroes, like Hannah Smith, um, Chris Adams, um and and Gauthier and uh, just, just all of the people you've mentioned tim is my I'm, I'm an absolute fan of tim frick and it's just it's just really nice to be in this happy bubble where everyone cares and really is doing the right thing and i'm so excited now i'm connected with gavin as well i'm just I, i'm just so happy thank you
2: wonderful time finally meeting
1: yeah, I know. We, we should arrange another time to have a chat as well. I'd love to know a bit more <laughs> about you. And thanks for mentioning Oxymoron. The bit that I was going to say was um, sustainablewebdesign.org, which is a resource that uh, Tom, my husband, Tim Frick's agency, uh, Mighty Bytes, and um, also, uh, also Digital Declutter Toolkit, which is a toolkit to not just talk about website. Uh, carbon emissions, but also other digital carbon emissions that we produced with Business uh, Declares, which is an organization that um, talks to uh, a larger business community on declaring climate emergency. Yeah. And and thanks for mentioning Oxymoron. Uh, It's my personal favorite as well. It is quite amazing to watch Tom to, to toss and turn on these thoughts and then finally, uh, you know, put together a blog post and then sort of cringe as these hittings publish and then, and then nice people like yourself mention it. Thank you.
2: Well, no, it's just wonderful. You know, what, what's so good about, um, about the oxymoron, um, thing is, is I think sometimes, and, and we've talked a lot of some of the quite sort of heavy sides of, uh, you know, of, and, and the challenges facing us when we're talking about, uh, 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 about being more sustainable about particularly online but um I think there was there was one episode of of the oxymoron it was it really stuck with me and it's kind of become my uh my my catchphrase when I'm talking about all of these things where tom was talking about um the fact that you know was was perfection an issue and I think yes. you know if we we what we what we really must focus on is that is not to let perfection be the enemy of progress and that's really stood really stuck with me and i think that's a maxim that we should all try and live by when we're thinking about these topics
1: yes somebody so one of our old clients came um said to said to me old class i think clients from the from the olden days uh said uh, done is better than perfect and she would just look at me and go done is better than perfect And i'd be like no but high quality craft and she'd be like nope do it and ship it and we'll improve it and I was like okay okay I get it and I think that was really helpful to see where we we sometimes get stuck we sort of hang on to things it's not perfect I don't want to show it to the world yet but no no it's good send it let let people critique it it'll get better
2: it'll get better and it'll get better through us collaborating on it and that's how that's how we progress
1: yes
0: and it resonates quite a lot with the way I struggle with the podcast and uh, <laughs> <laughs> like always wanting it to be better and perfect and just like, okay, just do it. But I will come back to this point a bit later. Uh, I first wanted to thank you so much, both of you, to take the time to join the show, to share all this knowledge, to be very open about what has worked and didn't work. So it was a real honor to have both of you on the show. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank
0: you, Gail. Wonderful to meet you, Vanessa. And uh, I would say the cherry on top of the cake, and that's actually the second time it happens, so it validates my new strategy of having rather two or three guests than just one, uh, is that, once again, a nice connection has been made among uh, responsible technologists, and that, that really made my day. So I'm happy. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> and... And that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will enjoy the next one. Bye-bye.